0: And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking
1: asked for it. But hey, my podcast and I'll say what I fucking want.
0: Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting.
1: There's all kinds of funky sounds coming from your direction today. <laughs> Yeah. So, hi, guys. Welcome to the uh, third mini episode for our patreons. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Today we are covering Fort Bayard in New Mexico and the Dixmont State Hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or the former hospital, former in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we're going to start with Fort Bayard. It's a really cool place. This is a listener suggestion. Koi's best friend Cheyenne, which, by the way, my mom was asking me about her today. And when they, how old Koi and Cheyenne were
0: when they met? And they were four. Right? Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, now they're
0: 19. Oh, my God! I know. I know. A little cheyenne It's going to be a 20-year friendship soon. Soon. Yeah, soon. And for as young as they are, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing.
1: So uh, this was her suggestion. She actually um, also has an experience um, that she shared with us uh, when her and her fiancé went to Fort Baird in New Mexico. So let's get started talking about that. Yeah, Cheyenne's engaged. Wow. Yeah. She's, yeah, for a while now. She's been with him for a while, um, and they've been engaged for a while. Um, I don't, I haven't heard anything about a date set or anything, but yeah. Yep. So, uh, congratulations to Mike and Cheyenne on your engagement, and uh, super crazy experience they had when they went there. Um, So yeah, let's, uh, tell us about the history of this place, because... Huntings are kind of bonkers.
0: Oh, well, um, all of my information I got from Wikipedia. That's going to be a theme for today. Cool, okay. <laughs> fort Bayard was established as a United States Army installation in 1866 to protect miners and other settlers in the area along the Apache Trail. The fort was named for Brigadier General George Dashiell Bayard, who was mortally wounded at the Battle of Fed- Fredericksburg in 1862. Fifteen square miles of land were set aside for the Fort Bayard military reservation by presidential order in 1869. In 1886, then 2nd Lieutenant John Pershing arrived at Fort Bayard and oversaw the installation of a heliograph linking the army to another army communications network from Arizona to Texas. Fort Bayard was one of many installations throughout the Southwest that was garrisoned by the so-called Buffalo Soldiers. Company B of the 25th United States Colored Infantry Regiment established the post, and they were joined by other black units, including troops from the 9th Cavalry Regiment. Oh, wow. That's cool. I I felt it important to add that. Yeah, for sure. Corporal Clinton Greaves, stationed at Fort Bayard with C Company, 9th Cavalry Regiment, received the Medal of Honor for his actions against Apache Raiders on July 24th, 1877. A monument to the Buffalo Soldiers was erected on the old parade field of Fort Bayard in 1992.
1: And this is where the term Buffalo Soldiers
0: was created? No. No. But I will get to that. Buffalo Soldiers originally were members of the 10th Cavalry Regiment of the United States Army, formed on September 21st, 1886 at Fort Lemon, North Kansas. This nickname was given to the Black Cavalry by Native American tribes who fought in the (laughs) Indian Wars. Oh my god! The term eventually became synonymous with all the African American regiments formed in 1866: 9th Cavalry Regiment, 10th Cavalry Regiment, 24th Infantry Regiment, 25th Infantry Regiment, Holy and the 2nd 38th Infantry Regiment. Oh, that's a workout.
1: Whoosh. Okay. Um, and so this was the nickname given to them by the Native Americans because they fought on their behalf. Is that? Did I hear that right? No. Oh, cool. I'm such the, an attentive listener. The
0: Buffalo Soldiers were fighting with the Union against the Indians in the Indian War. Indian oh, Wars. I guess
1: I heard that sentence completely wrong. I may have,
0: I may have gone through it a little quickly. Oh, okay. Um, Although several African-American regiments were raised during the Civil War as part of the Union Army, including the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry...
1: You're spitting out far too many numbers for me. I'm I know, sorry. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> and many United States Colored Troops regiments... The, quote, Buffalo Soldiers were established by Congress as the first peacetime all-black regiments of the regular U.S. Army. Oh, wow, okay. On September 6, 2005, Mark Matthews, the oldest surviving Buffalo Soldier, died at the age of 111.
1: Oh, Jesus, wow. He was
0: buried at Arlington National Cemetery.
1: Wow, that's so cool.
0: As you should be. Yeah, for sure. Following the capture of Geronimo in 1886, the Apache were no longer considered a major threat. Fort Bayard's continued usefulness, like that many posts in the Southwest, thus came under scrutiny. Mm. Due to its distance from the border with Mexico, the fort was selected for deactivation. However, U.S. Army Surgeon General George Miller Sternberg, noting the excellent health record of the post, chose Fort Bayard as an army tuberculosis hospital and research center.
1: Health record? Like,
0: like... Like excellent people don't people get had sick. excellent health. They at don't the base.
1: typically get sick there, and it's a good
0: place for them to recuperate or correct. Oh wow, okay, that's that's I don't think we've ever
1: had heard covered anything. I don't like that think before. we
0: have either. Lectures on tuberculosis made at the fort are archived at the National Library of Medicine. The fort was then transferred to the Surgeon General's Department in 1900. In 1922, the hospital became part of the Veterans Bureau. The fort was partially reactivated as a military installation during World War II. Several German prisoners of war were held at the fort from 1943 to 1945. Oh, shit, really? Mm-hmm. The fort is now administered by the New Mexico Department of Health as Fort Bayard Medical Center, a long-term care nursing facility that also contains a chemical dependency treatment center.
1: Oh, my God, wow.
0: And that's
1: that's what I got. That's the history. That's really cool. It's had, really good. I guess you just, like, if you're stupid like, and ignorant like me. Uh, I guess you just kind of have this image of a fort, a military fort in your head that's more like Fort Knox, or Fort. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, That's really cool. Okay. All right, let's see here. Um, My part. So my part I got from two sources, one being Cheyenne, and the other other being ghostofamerica.com. I couldn't find... Too much of anything else about, like, the hauntings and, and things like that. Um, really anywhere else. And I, I've come to really like GhostsOfAmerica.com because it's a it's a forum, really, of where people can detail their paranormal experiences that they've had at, at places all over the country.
0: Mm, that's um, a really good resource for you.
1: It is a really good resource for me. It's actually where I got a lot of my information on the Tonopah episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so let's just get into it. These are going to be, uh, just stories that people had written into Ghosts of America about the experiences that they had at Fort Bayard. Okay. Um, and then we're going to end with Cheyenne's because that one was really nuts and yeah, best for last. <laughs> so this first one starts, my mom works in Fort Bayard and has told me she would often hear kids playing and footsteps at night when no kids are around. Or even in the building. That's a classic one. That's just (laughs) such a classic one. Um, Following also reports of a woman jumping out of a window. Um, She ends it by saying, though I have never seen that, I'm actually scared (laughs) too." Which I would be too. Yeah,
0: definitely. I
1: would definitely be too. Um, I think, was it... um, Was it Castle episode where the apparition of a little girl is seen jumping off of one of the um, battlements... I think no, I don't that was one of the reports of Lep Castle. That would be terrifying. Um, certainly, uh, Hotel San Carlos is another one where Leonie Jensen is oh, often seen. Mm-hmm. That would be horrifying. Um, and I guess this one has its own oh. person. Okay. Um Now, somebody did comment to this woman's post, and she said, reference the, quote, woman that jumped out of a window. She goes on, if this was... In one of the doctor's quarters toward the end of Doctor's Row, here is the story behind that. A doctor, his wife, and their maid live there. The doctor and maid were having an affair. The maid wanted to cut it off, but the doctor refused to allow her to leave. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. Not a good time. Not a good time. All right, I mean, but my part never is. <laughs> um <laughs> My part never is. Never is. No. I guess he actually forced her to remain in the home, not even allowing her to go onto the porch. One night he came after her in her room on the second floor. She um being desperate, she to leave and get out of the situation, she jumped out of the window falling to her death. So apparently that scene is, is seen replayed like a uh, um, a residual haunting. Oh, that's unfortunate. Which is terrible, yeah. Um, this person writes, Fort Bayard, this was creepy and sad. Fort Bayard is a very interesting place to visit, this person writes. I went with my grandma during the summer, and I heard gunshots, but I kind of dismissed it as there is a shooting range nearby, I guess. Okay. They go on to say, I looked into the houses and the windows of the hospital, there was just that general creepy feeling that you feel in a haunted place. My grandma and I were going to drive to the graveyard. This is where things got weird. I'm not surprised. (laughs) <laughs> it's a great guard. Uh As we were going to leave A truck drove in And an older woman got out with a camera I assumed that she was going to take pictures of the hospital I asked her what she was taking pictures of She gave me a smile And happily stated she was going to take pictures of her grandson I replied something like Aw, that's nice And I got into my grandma's car as, And I watched as the woman proceeded to take out a rocking horse And another ride on toy Before setting them in the grass near a headstone she just stood there and waited. From what I saw, there were no children present.
0: Her dead grandson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> saw that coming.
1: Awful, awful. I didn't. I was reading it and I was like, "Oh, cute. Uh, oh, uh. my god." <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking heartbreaking. Um, this other person writes: "Living in Deming, forty-five minutes." Minolds. Minolds. Aaron, there's your first word. There you go. <laughs> there's you go there's you go as <laughs> your second one <laughs> hope you're writing know. it all down
0: i i ran through some of the infantry regiment and uh-huh. all those words so i'm sure she's she's she'll be busy with
1: this i'm one. sure she will um <laughs> living in deming 45 minutes south of fort bayard i visited this wonderful historic location many times during day trips only recently i visited one evening after dark and encountered a little girl on the road in front of doctor's row I had my divining rods in my hand, still hanging to my side, when I sensed that I needed to look down. Tips of the rods were separated by two to three inches. I did have others with me, so I brought their attention to the rods. At this point, the rods began moving even more. At one time, they even separated to a 90-degree angle. I took a number of pictures from Doctor's Row of various locations with no obvious activity. At one point, I went to take another picture, and the camera had switched to video. Figuring something or someone was telling me to video the surrounding area, I went for it. On the parade ground, the video picked up a number of orbs. What was more amazing was one particular orb showed up at the bottom of the screen and passed between my friend and I. Was the little girl skipping and playing? My heart told me it was her. I am an intuitive, and this experience was only one of the blessings I have received in my life. She goes on to conclude and say that for those of you that have never visited New Mexico, come visit the land of enchantment. It's not just enchanting with its history, sites and sunsets. It also enchants us with the spirits that are among us.
0: Oh, well, that's a yeah. very nice post.
1: That's a, yeah, that's a very nice one. This one, they say, while visiting my grandparents who live in Bayard, my cousins and I decided to go drive for a route... Ra- Wait, what? I can't read.
0: Oh, I can't no. Not again.
1: Again. Every week. Again (laughs) and again. For 38 Um, (laughs) While visiting my grandparents who live in Bayard, my cousins and I decided to go for a drive around Fort Bank. There it is. While driving around and looking for deer, we passed the old nurse's quarters. We figured that just for fun and a good spine-chilling adventure, we would walk around the building. I have best laid plans. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah. My cousin was ahead of us. My cousin was just ahead of us whistling and making fun of us when all of a sudden we heard a mocking whistle coming from inside the empty building. <laughs> <laughs> we all just kind of looked at each other and tried to figure out what we just heard. My cousin whistled again into a window, but there was no response. As we started to walk away from the building, we heard a crystal clear whistle blowing right at us. We ran as fast as we could back to the car and returned back to Bayard to tell the family what we had just experienced. (laughs) (laughs) My uncle returned back to the building with us about 30 minutes later, and we could not repeat the experience. The building was, quote, dead silent.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: That was a good one. That's some really good stories. These are some really good stories, yeah. um, This one is horrible.
0: Oh. I mean, it's... Way to bring down the house, Carrie.
1: It's good, but it's horrible. Um, There's the old hospital building at Fort Bayard. Baird, Bayard. Well, Baird. We've been saying Baird this whole time. There is an old hospital at Fort Baird, and they have uh, the nurses' quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, when my friend took a picture of the nurses' quarters, she found a face in the window looking back at her. When we turned around to leave, we saw a body on a tree that was looked like he had been hung there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Tonsa. Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> Love a good "I told you so." <laughs> Um, (laughs) this one I'm going to read exactly as the person wrote it and it's it's clear that English is not their first language okay so before I lived in Bayard I lived in Fort Bayard I saw many ghosts so one time I saw this movie it had a ghost in it I liked it then that night I was hoping there will not be a ghost for this was not my first ghost to see I looked out a window I have and it appeared fast the same ghost that I have been scared of. I don't know the rest for I have... I don't know the rest for I have forgotten it, like, my whole life. But I can see ghosts. So, okay. Now they're peering in windows like Peeping Toms. That's
0: fucked up. <laughs> now this, for English as their second language...
1: Uh, she sounds greater. better than us.
0: She sounds really good. Yeah, she's certainly better than us. It's probably British English as your second language. <laughs> <laughs> the Queen's English? Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, let's call it that. Now this one... Eh, eh. Oh, God. Um, but it was creepy and amusing, so here we go. <laughs> this person writes, There's a story that goes very far back. Actually, a couple I want to tell you about. One, it's kind of the same story, so I, don't, I didn't get the purpose of the I want to tell you a couple stories but anyway Um, one starts in the year of 1956 a woman went into premature labor after a pregnancy of just six months her family had lived at Fort Bayard and since it was so sudden she had to have her child there it was a Sunday night she entered labor at 11pm that evening and never lived to have her child she was pronounced dead at 12 12 12am exactly they attempted to save the child but when they tried an emergency c-section they found she wasn't pregnant
0: Whoa! They
1: checked the whole hospital, and that's, this is the part that I don't quite get. They checked the whole hospital, but the baby could not be found. To this day, the child is presumed dead, although it seems as if it disappeared into thin air. To this day, if you visit Old Fort Baird Hospital at the time of 12, 12 a.m., you can see the mother roaming the halls of the hospital
0: looking for her baby. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's uh, there. There's something.
1: There's something. It's, there. it's definitely. I think that being a good making of the following urban legend. If you go into the room she was in, if you can figure out which one it was, you look into a mirror and call her name twelve times at twelve twelve a.m. She will appear to you and take you to an unknown place where you will never be seen again, just like her child. You will disappear into thin air and live the rest of your life in an eternal place worse than hell and oblivion put together. But if you're never seen again, how do you know that's what's happening? <laughs> like, I, I, <laughs>
0: okay, Shane.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if it's gonna, if it's something that I'm gonna immediately dispute or like completely write off, it's gotta be full of holes. <laughs> One or two, maybe. But, yeah. I just thought it was an... It it started out as such an interesting urban legend.
0: And then it... And then it... Fell into an imaginary place worse than hell.
1: (laughs) Worse than hell and oblivion put together. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, this next one says, I grew up in Fort Bear from 1976 to 1987. I lived in the last three-story house before you get to the Swish building. In the early years, there was a lot to explore, on the top of the hill, to the left, before the National Cemetery, there was a building called the Soldier Nurse Club. My friends and I explored every inch of that building in the 80s. We thought it was haunted due to constant strange noises and shadows moving and following us where we went. Mm-hmm. Um, this person here says, I was on a fourth grade field trip to Fort Bayard Hospital. When I got there, I saw strange things and shadows what really scared me the most was wheelchairs would move on their own and doors would open by themselves in the fourth grade. I'd be terrified if I saw that shit. Mm -hmm. That's not, not cool. So then the best for last is my last one. This is Cheyenne's experience and this is what she writes. She says, so it was a night that I was with my man and we were visiting Fort Baird because I wanted to see a ghost. (laughs)
0: Love her.
1: (laughs) The moment we turned onto the road, We saw a flash of light but didn't think anything of it. So we continue to have have a feeling that we weren't alone in the area as to me being told there was a cemetery in the fort that is well maintained and still used to this day. Apparently or no. Anyway I can't even read the words in front of my eyes.
0: Wow. This is fascinating to watch.
1: (sighs) You know let me tell you it's a great time to be me. It's a great time to be me. Oh I know the feeling. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, we made it to the entrance of the fort where I happened to see a full-bodied apparition of somebody walking. It looked like he was limping. From what I noticed, the figure still had his World War II uniform on and was limping as if he had just returned home from the war. I could see he was hurting and had many wounds on his chest. It was then I could hear calls of help me please, I need to find my family. Behind him was a car that turned... Um, but behind him was a car that turned in with full headlights. When the lights reached him, he just disappeared. But the next day, we visited the old hospital in the back of the fort. There we could hear things being banged around in the old buildings, and a shirt on a a barbed wire fence kept moving closer to us, so we left. Yeah, that's a good time to go. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, that was the best of all of the stories. <laughs> Absolutely the best of all of the stories. So I think that's a good place to end this episode. That's all I got. Okay. Yeah. So thank you, Cheyenne. That was a really cool place. It's great. Yeah. If I ever get to New Mexico, which um, doesn't seem a lot likely in the <laughs> near future, um, I definitely would like to add this place because it just sounds really it's a kind it of a whole campus a really of, cool of,
0: cool place to check out
1: right yeah um so yeah i definitely would like to check it out so miss triani thank you so much um for this location this was this was wonderful um i was a little bummed about that urban legend because it sounded like it was starting off real strong and then it just kind of <laughs> <laughs> but anyway all right so the next place is the one i'm most excited about <laughs> and it's uh dixmont state hospital in pittsburgh pennsylvania
0: Take it away! And what I've got, once again, was from Wikipedia. The Western Pennsylvania Hospital at Pittsburgh ended its first year of operation in 1853, and it was evident that there were a greater number of patients in jails and almshouses, which is housing built for the poor, that could be provided for, and the 26 beds designated for that express purpose at a hospital. Managers of the hospital used a $10,000 appropriation from the state to purchase a large amount of farmland on a hill overlooking the Ohio River to the north of Pittsburgh in what is now suburban Kilbuck. Yes. Planners originally wanted to build the institution in the city, but this idea was rejected by Dorothea Dix, who was an American advocate on behalf of the indignant mentally ill who, through a vigorous... Indigent. Insti- indigent? Indigent. The indignant? <laughs> indignant. Indigent. I'm not mentally
1: ill. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were some of those, but I think the name is indigent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Through a vigorous and sustained program of lobbying state legislatures legislatures, and the United States Congress, created the first generation of American mental asylums. She was also in... uh, Red Cross. Red Cross, also um, the other mental institution in Pennsylvania that we did. In Pennsylvania that we did. I think so.
1: Trans-Allegheny. Trans-Allegheny.
0: No, that was West Virginia. Oh. Well, damn it. I know she was involved in a lot of... She was, yes. ...a lot of these programs. Yeah, and
1: this isn't the only um, hospital that was named for her.
0: Right. Yeah. Construction began in 1859 and opened in 1862. A grand ceremony took place on July 19th, 1859, where the cornerstone of the Dixmont Kirkbride Building was laid in the foundation. See, mm-hmm. Kirkbride.
1: Yes, so Waverly Hills is a Kirkbride building. Um, Trans Allegheny, I believe, is Kirkbride. Mm-hmm. Um, he designed a lot of. a lot of, um,
0: They had. Back then. They had good ambitions. They had they good, did. the They're, best laid plans, though. Right, right. A glass jar was placed in the cornerstone. <laughs> A glass jar was placed in the cornerstone containing numerous objects, papers, and a letter from Dorothea Dix herself. I thought, I was like, what is a coroner's stone? Coronary stone. (laughs) Kidney stone! Also contained was a copy of her 1845, quote, memorial. The 55-page, county-by-county study of the conditions for the mentally ill in Pennsylvania,
1: Goodness. which
0: had a great part in jumpstarting early mental health care reform in Pennsylvania. Wow. Okay. Unfortunately, when the time capsule was recovered prior to demolition, the jar had broken and many of the contents were in poor condition. God damn it! The original patient population of the hospital was a meager 113 patients who were transferred from the Western Pennsylvania Hospital in Pittsburgh. Before the 1800s were over, somewhere between 1,200 and 1500 patients called the hospital
1: home Classic that oh that
0: always that happens. always happened In 1907 the facility was individually incorporated as the Dixmont Hospital for the insane after separating from the Western Pennsylvania Hospital system. Dixmont was completely self-sustained from the beginning as they were as mm-hmm. Kirkland properties are Kirkland Kirkbride Kirkbride. Kirkland, I think, is a brand Costco. Yeah. Walmart (laughs) or something. (laughs) Which is funny because Walmart ties into this. Oh, it does. Yeah. It had its own farmlands, livestock, rail station, and post office. Mm -hmm. Also, part of the facility was a water treatment plant, a sewage treatment plant, and electricity generating facilities. They had their own butchers, bakers, farmhands... Candlestick makers. (laughs) 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 Electricians... There's your candlestick makers. There we go. Okay. Laborers, pipe fitters, botanists, chefs, and even an even a barber and dentist.
1: Well, you sound more surprised by the barber and dentist, but I'm like, a botanist? Really? Yeah. That's, no, that's, the okay. botanist
0: is what made me go, a botanist. Okay. Right? <laughs> like many psychiatric hospitals, Dixmont became overcrowded during the 1920s due to the rise of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, right. patients from World War I. The hospital took in as many patients as they could fit until beds lined the hallways, but was eventually forced to stop accepting new admissions. Dixmont began facing um, financial difficulties as early as the Great Depression, of course, but, well, I mean, where they could only afford sense. to supply employees with a room and board, no salary. No. And, well, I mean, that's a lot more than... Well, a lot got. A lot get now. Well, Sure. In 1946, the Pennsylvania Department of Welfare had to step in, and Dixmont became a state-owned hospital. Mm. During this time, the hospital began using previously decried procedures, as lobotomies, electroshock <laughs> therapy, and use of restraints.
1: Do we need to tell them what these procedures
0: are? We think that they're pretty think, clear on. I think we're pretty. We've covered a lot, a of it. lot of these
1: detail, <laughs> in horrible, horrible detail. <laughs>
0: By the mid nineteen seventies, Dixmont had reached financial crisis due to the state's desire to shut down the hospital. As the concept of deinstitutionalization, Whoa, yeah, good job, and use of thorazine progressed, <laughs> large state institutions were becoming obsolete and patient numbers decreased rapidly.
1: Well, that's good. That was. I feel like that should have always been the goal, but uh, yeah, let's crack them in the orbital socket with a ice pick and see if that works first. (laughs) God.
0: With the patient's rights movement, they were no longer allowed to work for profit, something which had previously generated the hospital revenue. Oh, oh. Many of the buildings needed renovation, but state funding was scarce, by 1983, several floors of Reed Hall were empty and unused buildings such as the canteen and men's annex were demolished to prevent fire hazards. Mm. In July 1984, the hospital was closed and the 300 remaining patients were transferred to nearby institutions. Wow. So that's what I've got. I again, I had to cut I had to cut the shit out of this one. Yeah. Because the Wikipedia article explains Even further, what happened with the ground being unstable, yeah, and then they were going to... Well, I'm going to get into that part, too. Good, good, good. good.
1: Um, Which is interesting. I actually didn't get any of my stuff from Wikipedia on this one. Oh, good. Um, Was that all? That's it. I didn't want to be like, okay, let me tell my part. (laughs) Tell your part. Tell your part. Me, me, me. Um, Okay, great. So, I did... My information um, came uh from pittsburghpostgazette.com, a haunted pittsburgh's facebook page, um a book that is i've actually read called the ghosts of southwest pennsylvania by thomas white and then just kind of um, stories that i've heard. From oh, okay. live there, went there and all that. Um i do want to start my part by saying how bitter i am about this place because i lived there in 98 to 99 and i visited jennifer A ton of times since 1997. I did not know this place existed. Oh. Until it was after, until after it was demolished. Right. Um, So I'm a little bitter about that. Because, I mean, an abandoned mental hospital? Of course I want to fucking go. (laughs) It's right down the street from your house, Jennifer. What? Why? It was demolished a year ago. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is my... Voice in that conversation just got higher and higher until like only dogs could hear me. Bad Jennifer, bad. Bad Jennifer, bad. um So yeah, that bummed me out pretty hardcore. Uh, but we have been up there and driven by uh, the cemetery is still there. Oh, it'll always be there. It, well, not always. I mean, there have been times where they have completely moved cemeteries to for development purposes. They don't.
0: Some uh, people see, don't I'm give thinking a shit. of poltergeist. You moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs>
1: I forgot all about that. That was so perfectly timed. Now, um, yeah, some of the headstones are still there. Anyway. Okay. So, um, after it closed, but while the buildings were still there, it is said that apparitions could be seen peering out of the broken-out windows of the buildings. Oh. Yes. Or strolling the grounds. Oh. Yeah. Um, doors closing by themselves. Strange sounds like gurneys being pushed down the abandoned, decrepit hallways. Orbs, shadow figures captured in photographs. A bunch of all this stuff is what has been reported for people that have gone into Dixmont. Now, um, in fact, the Dixmont State Hospital was believed to be haunted by many spirits, including that of a ghostly man who has who was seen guarding the morgue area, scaring away intruders. Oh! So because it was an abandoned oh, hospital, teenagers. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of. Uh, teenagers that would go down there to party, including some of Jennifer and Mike's friends. Mike, I think it was Mike's sister that had actually like been partying at Dixmont. Oh my God. Um, but, uh, would be ghost hunters and, and, you know, people mm-hmm. constantly breaking into the, the building but that, and, you know, homeless people and things like that. Right. But, um, that, that, the man seen guarding the morgue is actually one of the most famous, uh, paranormal and frequently reported experiences on the property. There is a um, group in Pittsburgh called Ghost Story Investigations, and this group primarily focuses on gathering scientific data on paranormal activity. Um, The lead investigator of the group says, quote, we are not exorcists, we are not ghost hunters, we don't claim to have the power to send a ghost to the other side. Um, Members of the group also aren't scientists, although they do strive to be as scientifically accurate as possible in their investigations, which... As they all do, use dozens of electronic instruments, uh, K2 meters, high-def cameras studio quality audio equipment, that kind of thing. Um, now, this group did recently, and by recently, as, as of this article, which I think was from 2013, so not so recently, <laughs> filmed a two-part investigation at the Dixmont State Hospital Cemetery in Kilbuck. Um, which is actually home to 1,300 graves of patients and staff members of, of the former mental hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so the filming was actually done during day and night. The Now, as you had mentioned, Dixmont closed in 1984 after 122 years in operation, um, but the hauntings are still reported at what's left, like I said, the Overgrown Cemetery. Each grave is marked with a small tombstone and a number. Uh, you can find out one of the ones that they knew about you can actually access Dixmont's
0: uh, records mm-hmm. burial records mm-hmm. I thought that was really which cool. I thought
1: was really cool yeah um, many of the grave markers are no longer legible and some of them you know displaced by trees and other vegetation but they investigated this cemetery <clears throat> oh, <Jesus. laughs> I mean I love it but I also hate it but I also will definitely do some shit like this <laughs> and I will I will hate that I love it the entire time yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) so the lead investigator of this group said that audio is our biggest friend during ghost hunting. Um, no obvious signs of haunting were observed as far as shadow people, pictures, things like that. They did catch a number of EVPs in which some said, hi, and please don't go in a cemetery. Oh, just heartbreaking and terrifying. They also reported that on the recordings taken at the cemetery, the words pain and dead were captured. I don't know. Yeah. Aw. I don't know. It's an emotional <laughs> roller coaster, my part. Now, oh. I'm going to butcher his last name, um, but Ralph uh, Stroyny, a Kilbuck construction contractor whose family partnership owned the empty, decaying collection of buildings at the time. He isn't surprised or particularly upset with, um, with the remains of this makeshift camp inside some of the buildings of the hospital. Um, some kids set up a party house in here. And he says this as he's taking the interviewer through the buildings. So it says that as he gingerly steps over broken glass, following ceiling panels and trekking through long, dark halls past endless numbers of tiny bedrooms where residents of the asylum spent their lives isolated from mainstream society. It goes on to say that for several years, Stronink has kept a guard on duty in a house at the end of the property, but that doesn't stop vandals from sneaking in. Well, raise his hand. (laughs) That's me.
0: That's um, no, not you. You wouldn't vandalize.
1: I wouldn't vandalize, but I would probably fall in one of these next groups. Not just vandals, but Ghostbusters and psychics and makers of obscure B-grade horror movies are drawn to Dixmont. <laughs> 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 um, which even, Dixmont even had an underground tunnel system. Oh, nice. That um, Stroiny, the, the owner, had said is spooky, especially at night. I mean... I believe it. The body shoot at Waverly Hills is... Yuck. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Jennifer's friends, Mike's friends, you know, they all have tales of parties that they've been to inside Dixmont, and I'm so jealous and will be for the rest of my life that I never, ever got to see it when it was standing. Oh. Um, And apparently all these people, just about everybody had freaky months of nightmare-inducing shit happen to them while they were in there. Oh. Um, But anyway... So that's pretty much what I have on the Ghosts of Dixmont, which is why it's a mini episode. I really, really wanted when I think you remember back when we first started this, and we were gathering a list of places we mm-hmm. wanted to do. Dixmont was at the top of the list, and when we got to researching
0: it, it was like it wasn't no, there wasn't much. No, I found a lot. But. You found, I mean, yeah,
1: that's <laughs> the thing. You're like Archie's history part will always be great, but like with the Island of the Dolls, like three sentences, bam, I'm done, and I've got to take it in a different direction. kind of the same thing with this but kind of not so uh, for all of this which is a decent amount of paranormal activity especially in a cemetery Mm -hmm. (laughs) but for all this which is a decent amount of paranormal activity in a place you just know has to have it there were still no other ghost stories attached to this hospital other than the ones I just talked about oh wow yeah Um, they sold it they raised the buildings and then Walmart came calling so in 2005, a developer purchased 75 acres of the land that held the former mental hospital and its surrounding buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, not including the hospital cemetery, which, obviously. <laughs> okay. Now, Walmart had plans to build the Rover Point Shopping Center on the site, of course anchored by a Walmart Supercenter. center. Mm-hmm. Um, they started to break ground on the new development. And a number of issues had actually plagued the development of the land, including a blast that happened in April of 2006 um, that apparently went awry.
0: And it caused debris to be blown down under Route 65. It caused a landslide. That's not it. Oh, that's not it. Okay. Oh, there's more. There's way more. Oh, good. So,
1: just to kind of um, give you guys an idea of how this looks. Obviously, Jennifer's going to be like, yeah, I drive it every day. I know how it looks. But, um, (laughs) so you kind of want to picture, like, stairs. The way the land looks is kind of like stairs. So at the hilltop is the first step, and that's where Dixmont was. Okay. The next step down is Route 65, or Ohio River Boulevard, which is a main artery that gets people from North Pittsburgh into, like, downtown. Okay. The second step is um, a row of houses. So second step is the...
0: The freeway. The
1: the road. Second step is a row of houses. Third step is train tracks. Okay. Four step is the Ohio River.
0: Okay, is how that. that
1: looks. Okay, nice, good job. Thanks. Um, so yeah, this road I I used to drive it to work when I lived there. It's a major thoroughfare to get from the north to downtown or to the airport area. Okay. So yeah, so in April they had um, they did blasting and the debris from the blast <clears throat> blew down onto Route sixty five. This is just one of the many hiccups they faced. Uh, Most ferociously was a controversy of it being built at all, starting way back in 2002, when they were talking about selling it. Then, this is what you're thinking of, in September 2006, and I remember when this happened. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it happened shortly after, I, I think it maybe it happened two weeks after I went to go visit Jennifer, and to get to Jennifer's house... Um, from the airport, you have to travel down Route 65 and, you
0: know, conversely, mm-hmm. you've
1: got to go down Route 65 to get to the airport. Right, right. And it happened like a week or two after I had been there visiting her. Oh, jeez. So in September two, two, 2006. Jesus. <laughs> Aaron, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, a massive landslide occurred from the site. The ground shifted wildly and, quote, boulders the size of refrigerators tumbled down the steep, crumbling hillside. Who's snoring?
0: It could be anybody. Archie, wake up. That was me. (laughs) Me not wearing any pants over here. I mean, God.
1: When I said make yourself at home, I I didn't mean no, I'm kidding. Um, Boulders the size of refrigerators tumbled down the steep and crumbling hillside onto Route 65 below. Tree limbs cracked and groaned under the weight of the estimated half million cubic yards of dirt and rocks. Uh, that formed a continuous cascade that billowed down on top of the normally busy artery into Pittsburgh, completely blocking it. And uh, yeah, and
0: it was blocked for weeks. Weeks. Wasn't it? it
1: took uh, around two weeks to clear the road and um, stabilize
0: the hillside. Oh, yeah. Did
1: any of that make it into the housing? Uh, no. There was a section of it, so there was like a. a it's not all housing down on that like fourth step I was describing mm-hmm. um but it does say that um it, some of it did um cover the train tracks and it blocked one of the train tracks for the Nor- Norfolk Southern Railroad, oh, Railroad. Wow. so that was Completely shut down for a couple of weeks. They had also built a new access road. Um, they had cut it into the hillside that Dixmont had once stood on, and that had also been completely buried by the slide. Oh wow! Um, PennDOT said that said quote where the slide separated, it resembles the fault line of an earthquake. There's nothing we can do until it stops moving. Yeah, yeah. So wow. they had assigned an emergency worker to guard the area overnight, and he reported that the hill had been advance advancing about five feet every half hour. Holy shit. By morning, the mass of earth and stone that had already moved measured about 500 feet wide and 20 feet high. So the creeping mountain, yeah, had partially covered one of the three mainline tracks of the Norfolk Southern Railway. Uh, The slides also snapped a utility pole in two, and the lines were sagging live along the right side of the road. Um, It took two weeks to clear and stabilize the hillside, and the road was closed the entire time. Um, So yeah, it, it created... A mess. Oh. And I mean, I, I have their local news apps on my phone. You know, I'm always following Pittsburgh News. And right. I remember Jennifer was like, oh my God, look at this. And so she would send me like videos and stuff. <laughs> we were just fucking there. Like, it was wild. So, many people think that it's actually the ghosts of the men and women who lived and died at Dixmont are ensuring that no more disruption comes to their home and final resting place. This notion was actually bolstered when another landslide occurred a few weeks later. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, now, landslides actually weren't new, and you mentioned this in your part. They weren't new to the area, and the hospital itself actually dealt with many in the early days of its construction and operation. Mm. Um, This particular pair of landslides, however, just seemed a little too ominous for residents of the area. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, again, the development was plagued by mishaps and and things like that, licensing and permits and shit like that for years. Um, After a year of trying to stabilize the property, Walmart eventually abandoned all plans to build anything on it. (laughs) And I had actually read in my research that I think as recently as last year, they were filing suit against Kilbuck Township, a oh, lawsuit. Wow. I'm not really sure why, or I didn't get into that because I've started like like all these different laws. You started to glaze I over. I was <laughs> like boring. I don't know. Wanna... <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but eventually, yeah, um, after about a year of trying to fix it and build it, they gave up. Um, now, the book that I had mentioned that I read, this part comes from that. And it says, quote, "All that remains of Dixmont are rows of numbered tombstones that mark the graves of the deceased patients whose bodies had never been claimed by their families." Oh. Dixmont was their only home."
0: Oh, that's sad.
1: Yes. So the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection has now decided to plant trees and vegetation on the site of the old Kirkbride building and let nature reclaim it." Okay. And I honestly think that after all the things those poor people endured, that is the safest and most respectful thing to do.
0: I wholeheartedly agree.
1: Yeah, and that is what I have on DigSpot. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I um, I remember following this story and thinking, this is so crazy. And then it started popping up that people were like, it's haunted. It's a abandonmental asylum. But ghosts don't want this Walmart there. And I mean, it's big <laughs> problems from years and years and years and years and um I thought that's kind of crazy if that's like I mean it was already unstable not like entirely stable land when they built the hospital right but um I don't know I kind of think that's a really cool way to look at it that you know the ghosts that are still the people that are still buried there yeah um we're not having a walmart
0: mm-hmm. so <laughs>
1: You can't really blame them. So, yeah, that's that's Dixmon. That's Fort Bayard, New Mexico, guys. All right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this mini episode. And um, we will be back with a new pair of locations in another couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, we love you. We are so grateful for your generosity. And uh, we will see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye.